Welcome to the Tooth and Coin Podcast, where we talk about your adventure of being a dental practice owner. Uh, in these episodes, we're going to be talking about problems that you will likely face as a practice owner, as well as give an idea about actionable solutions that you can take so that you can get past this problem in your practice. Some of these concepts are really big ones. Some of them are very specific, but we hope that these episodes help you along with your journey. Now, a very important piece for you to understand is that this is not paid financial advice. This is not paid tax or legal advice. Uh, we are not your financial advisors. We are not your CPAs. Uh, this is two CPAs talking about informational and educational content to help you along with your journey. It's a very important piece for you to understand. Another thing that you need to know is that if you enjoy today's content, join us on the Facebook group. So we've got a Facebook group that is active with dentists that is going to have content talking about what we're talking about today to continue the discussion. Agree with us, don't agree with us, have a story to tell, have something to share, join us in the Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and you search for Tooth and Coin Podcast, click on it to join it and be able to join us there. Finally, if you need some more help, we're developing a list of resources that are going to be centering in around our topics of discussion to be able to help you a little bit more than what the content is doing. So if you'd like access to that whenever it becomes ready, all you have to do is text the word tooth and coin, T-O-O-T-H-A-N-D-C-O-I-N to 33444. Again, that's tooth and coin, all one word, no spaces to 33444. Reply with your email address and we'll email you instructions on how to get into the Facebook group, as well as add you to the list to be able to send you those resources when they're available. And if they're available, we'll go ahead and send them to you as well. So on to today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, ambitious dentist. Today, I have with us a very, very special guest in addition to my partner in crime, Mr. Joseph Rugger. So today we are doing something that's a little bit different, a little bit more fun that I, I think that you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, we are talking with someone who uh, we've been lucky enough to be able to see their entire dental practice journey so far. Uh, and uh, this person is Dr. Wes Butman. So Dr. Wes, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for uh, people that are listening uh, that aren't familiar with people, uh, dentists in Arkansas, uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Wes Buckman is uh, uh, acquired an office. Uh, we were lucky enough to be uh, a part of that process. Uh, we've been able to see all the success that he's had with that process. So, um, you know, Joseph and I were, were talking about some really fun ideas for episodes. And, you know, Joseph said that, that this would be a, a good I uh, thought this would be a good episode for us. So Joseph, why don't you take it away and just talk about what it is you're thinking that people will be able to get out of this conversation. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, really, really excited to bring you a new episode on the Tooth and Coin podcast. We're really excited to talk to one of our good friends of Tooth and Coin. This is Dr. Wes Buckman, uh, who is a practicing dentist, solo office in central Arkansas. Uh, so I, I really, really excited to get a chance to kind of pick Dr. Wes's brain, uh, learn a little bit more about his decision-making process and all of the things that kind of went into uh, the first couple of years of practice ownership. So we're really, really looking forward to the conversation. Uh, Wes, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. We're happy to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Wes, maybe why don't you kind of walk us through maybe uh, the decision, you know, so, so you worked as an associate uh, at another practice and 
there's there's quite a bit of quite a bit that goes into the decision to start your own business and to go out on your own and hang your own shingle and all those things. Uh, kind of as you look back uh, on the last couple of years and, and, and on the decision to make the leap into practice ownership, maybe walk us through some of the bigger things that you were thinking, uh, some things that were kind of big turning points for you and, and, and walk us through how you made that decision. Yeah. Um, first, you know, I was fortunate enough to get out of dental school and have a very good associateship with a successful practice. And, uh, uh it couldn't have at least financially been a better scenario. You know, it wasn't like I was scraping by or anything like that. Um, so then it really turned into what, what do I want to be doing for the long term? And my personality is more of, I want to do things my way for better or worse, I guess you could say. So, um, I just knew that the, I wanted to be able to make, decisions on my future and not really have somebody be able at a to fire me if they just you know felt like it or you know I, I knew there was a reason people are buying practices and, and owning practices and there had to be you know financial reward there as well but ultimately I wanted to be in power of my own destiny instead of you know at, at the whim of an owner that you know wasn't as uh, involved or is concerned with my future as I was. Well, Dr. West, I wanted to also ask about the decision to acquire a practice. Uh, so as we have uh, folks that are probably listening to this podcast, there's going to be some that are interested in doing a de novo or a scratch start, right? Or they may be interested in doing uh, an acquisition. So I'd be curious on your thoughts on uh, what kind of led you to go down the road of acquisition uh, versus scratch start? Maybe walk us through that decision-making process. Well, first of all, doing a scratch start still scares the bejesus out of me. I don't know. People that do that are just on another level, man. Most respect to them for just, you know, having so much confidence that they can just bring people in out of thin air. I mean, I just... That scared me so much that I, I'd rather have a bigger, bigger uh, loan and have patient flow. Um, so that really wasn't ever a desire um, for me to, to do a scratch start. Um, but honestly, you know, when you get out, you don't really know what you want. Um, and as far as what a practice looks like, unless you just have a person, you're, you are a person that has really great vision. So for me, it was learning you know i listened to plenty of uh jonathan's podcasts i listened to shared practices podcasts i read bunt as many articles and books and stuff as i could get my hands on to really form an an educated opinion on what a good practice was and was not um and then started asking around and you know I knew that central Arkansas and really little rock was where I was going to practice. So that narrowed it down. You know, some people will move or look out in the country. Um, that really just wasn't something that I was looking for. So then it was sitting there waiting, you know, and going and looking at practices. I probably looked at five or six before I landed on the one I'm in now. Um, and just with all the stuff that you learned before of, you know, how many patients do they have? Is it seem like it's struggling? Is it looking at their practice numbers, seeing, you know, they have the latest and greatest equipment or is it old? Um, 
you know, all, all these different factors that you guys helped me on. And then the, the knowledge um, that I had gained from just literally just learning and reading everything that I could, um, you, you start to figure out, you know, what kind of practice you really want. And that's going to be different for everybody. Um, for me, it was important to have a, a bit bigger of a practice because I always wanted to have two doctors me and one other one or more, but me and one other one in the practice. So I was really looking for bigger practices, um, from the get go, if I could do it. Um, so yeah, that was probably the kind of what made me start going in that direction to come to this practice. All right. That's great. Thanks for, thanks for that. Uh, I want to ask about, uh, something that, that we get a question on, on the CPA side kind of regularly. Uh, so the, the question is, hey, there's this piece of equipment that's coming up. Uh, my rep is in town, said that I can expense all of it for tax purposes. Uh, should I buy it with cash? Should I use debt to finance it? Uh, can you maybe kind of walk us through, like, as you're looking, you know, and I'm not talking about changing the style of gloves that you wear, just you know, when you look at kind of some of the bigger purchases and the bigger decisions that you make as a practice owner, certainly on the CPA side, we can always guide you on the tax ramifications and uh, all of those different pieces, but but maybe walk us through kind of as a as a new business owner, maybe how you approached kind of some of those bigger decisions and how you uh, made those decisions. If you can maybe walk us kind of through that decision making process. <laughs> Man, I, in my opinion, owning the practice is just so many little decisions. You know, like it's it's not one big massive decision after deciding to buy the practice, of course, but, you know, so owning the practice is all these little decisions. So for me, it, it's, it was more of a, an abstract thing of like realizing that I had to question each decision that was made and to seek out as many answers as possible. So just that general statement there has gotten me through a lot of when something would come up or looking at how something was done in the practice, you know, saying, is this the right way to do it? And how do we get to the right way to do it? If I don't know, I start asking people. And luckily our dental community overall is, is really nice and helpful and understanding, you know, I mean, especially the younger guys that were closer to your age, I have three or four or five um, fellow dentists that I especially called a lot in the beginning to ask them, you know, how do you do this? How does how this done? Um, and just try to seek out as many answers as possible. Because at the end of the day, you guys are, are there to help. And then, you know, your guys that you know are willing to help. Um, and it just makes everything a lot easier if you're willing to seek out some answers. Um, the other thing I was glad I really knew um, was another kind of abstract abstract thing of just knowing that I was willing to put the work in, you know, I wasn't scared to do it. Um, and that's a really big thing. I think all practice owners have to realize is there are just people that are not willing or built to take on that type of responsibility. And that's fine. You know, if, if you're, don't want to do it, then don't do it. You know, everybody talks about owning a practice, but at the end of the day, if that's not your style, you're going to be miserable doing this thing, you know, cause I, we are up here a lot more and taking care of a lot of different stuff. Um, and so, you know, as far as things that I really glad I knew it, it's more general knowledge of 
personality and be willing to to go the extra mile to make it right um you know because clinically it's splinters and a lot of different stuff of how you want to run your practice which would be different for everybody can you give us like an example of something specific that you have maybe even dealt with it today or in the last month that you're like i didn't really think about me having to do this back when, when i was thinking about buying a business oh man uh a the the silliest thing would be when i bought the practice the practice i had before the staff did basically everything you know i was an associate i was an employee i walked in went to work and left as the owner you know everything falls on you and and the silliest thing would be that i have to deal with after i get off with you guys is there is a trap that catches all the stone stuff and after it gets full it gets pretty stinky and i gotta go dump that thing out and it's gonna be heavy and smelly and miserable for about 30 minutes while i do that so that's probably the silliest thing <laughs> hey we, we are we are pulling the curtain all the way back on this podcast, so yeah unless you just got a staff that does everything for you and then my staff does so much don't get me wrong but you know that's one of them that the doc bef- before me did himself and so i have acquired that fun <laughs> task every little bit of time i want to switch gears a little bit and uh talk to you about uh some things s- some some knowledge knowledge pieces so you know as you look back uh over the the last couple of years of practice ownership i'd be interested to know uh what are some things that that you knew and you were prepared for uh, some things that you were really, really glad that you had spent the time and learned about and you knew about. Uh, what are some things that you thought you knew on the on the front end that you're really, really glad you spent some time uh, learning about? <laughs> oh, man, where do you begin? I mean, if you could just generalize it, it'd just be people, you know, like if you hadn't been around long enough, you haven't met enough people. So like dealing with staff is especially in the beginning, it's going to stress you out because you don't know them that well and you're trying to, and there's a lot of personality. Um, you know, luckily I didn't have really any turnover, um, at the beginning. Um, some people retired cause they were, you know, at retiring age, but I didn't really lose anybody for that nature. So that was awesome. But you know, just figuring people out and, and dealing with the most random staff requests that put you on the spot. And, you know, you don't really know what the right answer is in the moment. You got to think about it or dealing with patients. And there are a lot of, a lot of interesting people out there that you don't really know how to handle at the first, you know, and you get your groove with them and hopefully you just don't make them mad at the, the offset or, uh, you know, make make them think you're weird but like after you get to know them you know how to handle them but man people by far you just you got to learn how to handle people or or they're not gonna like coming to your office you know talking about people one of the things that i find really interesting or at least i think is interesting i don't know if everybody else does i'm assuming other people do but one of the things that is almost never talked about is whenever a doctor buys a dental practice from another doctor and then they have to go and meet their team for the first time. Mm. 
what was that like meeting, meeting your new team? Like was, so I've, we've had, we've had clients who are like, you literally cannot even, um, you know, since you make, make sure if we, we're doing this, we don't send anything in the mail because like, it's going to be the day that I buy it. The day that is going to be the day that I walk in and like, they're going to meet me the day I become the owner, not a day before that, not a day, you know, no, no, at no other time are they allowed to hear my name because the doctor wants us to be ultra top CIA secret. Um, and then, and then we have people that are just like, yeah, I've been talking about this to this guy about this for the last two years. I know everybody that's there and, you know, they're all my best friends and they know I'm going to be taken over eventually. So like, what, what was that dynamic like for you? And then what was it like going and meeting your, the, the, the staff afterwards? Cause again, sometimes that's a part of the decision-making process for people. Like, do I actually like the, the, the people, do I like the employees are going to be here? Like, do I really want to buy that? So what was, what was yeah. your experience with that piece of it? Well, my situation was unique in the fact that I had been a patient at this dental office before. And, and so not many people have that opportunity. So I have known, um, it was a two doctor practice. They ran them separately. I was a, the patient of one of them. And so I bought both and merged together. Right. So I didn't really know the other staff at all. Um, and I really only knew the doctor and, kind of one of the assistants because I hadn't been back here since I've been away at school for, you know, a decade. Um, so I knew him already and had a great relationship and they've been in retiring age for, for quite some time. So not as much as your second part of your example, but still they had flirted with the idea of retiring for a long time. And so the staff knew something was going to happen at some point. Um, so mentally that it wasn't a surprise to them in that way. Um, but, you know, we, we did it kind of down the middle as far as your, your two examples go, because we, we did send out a letter, um, you know, the, the two doctors each wrote a letter to their patients, and then I wrote a letter that had my picture, you know, all, all professional photo with my wife and, and Henry on it, and sent that out with that letter. So that was, that was beneficial overall, because um, I got a give people a chance to see me before they saw me. And, you know, some people I've heard advise against that because you're going to lose them, lose patients, or, you know, you can make an argument for anything. Um, but so after they announced it to the staff and then right after, like it was either the day after or the Monday after, um, I had lunch with the staff and with those doctors there. Um, and so I catered the lunch, um, and just basically gave them the resume beforehand and said, let's hang out and we'll run through questions, um, and kind of did it that way. And so I actually had two or three <clears throat> meetings before I really ever started to, to make sure all questions were answered and everybody was comfortable. And I kind of got a feel for, for if they had any issues or, you know, special things going on with them or stuff like that. Talk to us about maybe some of the things that you wish you would have known going into practice ownership that you just kind of had to find out the hard way. Maybe walk us through some of those things uh, that you, that you figured out. Oh man, it's been a couple of years. I wish I would have written them down because they did really throw me for a loop, you know, cause it was just the most random stuff. You know, I'm just bought the practice. I don't, 
have my office manual in place yet. Um, everything locked down. And so it was just, you know, one was, um, a lady that was nearing retirement age and she had, you know, family stuff that would take her out of the office. And so she just asked like a very blunt, she's super sweet lady, but she asked me just a very blunt question of, am I going to like allow her to take off whenever she wants? And it was, you know, like, I guess, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I mean, there's vacation days, you know, I don't know, really know what you're asking or, or there's a lot of questions about, what are you going to change? What are you going to keep the same? Um, and that's a little bit easier to answer, you know, of stuff that I offer that the other docs didn't and go through that. Um, most of the stuff I tried to keep the same as much as possible in the beginning, just to make the transition easier. Um, but really a lot of the questions were specific about certain patients because we have a really fun patient base but there are a lot of quirky people here um which makes it fun honestly um but you know they our patients have been in this practice for a long time a lot of these patients have been here for 30 years which is amazing um because my doc has uh practiced in this location since 84. um so you know a lot of them the questions were so random of well, we got a guy, let's, let's call him Jerry. We got a guy, Jerry, he, he, you know, doesn't like when you do this, that, or the other. So what are you going to, what are we going to do about it? And you're like, I don't know, man, like we'll figure it out. But you know, it's just the most random specific questions that you, there was no answer for it in my opinion. Um, but we got through it. Um, the hardest parts were the kind of the meetings after and going through when I did start to change stuff and making sure the staff was on board with that and, and comfortable with the changes and answering their concerns and things like that. Give us some examples of that. Like what were some of the changes that you felt like you needed to make after uh, you took over the practice? This practice, um, you could just say it was older in general, you know, new equipment hadn't really been bought in quite some time. Um, still paper charts. Um, you know, the Panda machine was still film, you know, all all, that pretty much sums it up to a lot of younger docs. Um, and so I knew the way that I practice and Joseph can attest to our many conversations. I like technology and I like things to be efficient and run smoothly. Um, and look good as well, right? So the reason you chose that is the CPAs, right? Because look, we look good. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I looked for the best looking CPAs, dental CPAs. Third, third, uh, third best in the state of Arkansas, right here. So. <laughs> uh, and so I had learned through all the stuff that I read, and, and you know, my prep on owning a practice was try to start with stuff that will have the highest ROI with the least patient impact um, or disturbance, you could say. Um, And I kind of took that to heart. So, you know, we changed the um, phone systems because we were still sending out postcards in the mail to um, remind you of your appointments or your need to schedule. Um, And that costs surprisingly a lot of money if you have a lot of patients and we're a two doctor practice. So I was like, why don't we just change the phones, do text messages and 
save a bunch of money on postage, which we did. And it was awesome. Um, so we moved to weave, um, that improved the internet and the phones as well. Cause I remember calling right before I bought, right before I started and it sounded like it was raining on the phone. And I was like, what is that sound on, on this phone? And they're like, oh yeah, it does that every, you know, little while and we can't hear the patient. So we just asked them to call back. And I was like, that is unacceptable. Like this is a, this is the silliest thing. So we changed the phones, got weave. Um, we got a new pano machine and I knew I wanted to, um, do endo and end up placing implants. So we got a CBCT machine. And when I, before I bought it, we started looking and you know, these guys with the film pano hadn't really been taking any panos. So, you know, buying a CBCT machine that does panos and getting back on a regular schedule, doing those with the patients. I mean, it was a no brainer at that point that the machine would pay for itself in a short amount of time. Um, so those are the first two big ones. And then we moved to change the practice management software. Um, we were using Softint before, and I felt like I was using Windows 94. Mm -hmm. um, so we moved to Denicon because honestly, it was between a few of them. And I had used Denicon at my previous job. And the office manager that I was um, stealing from another office, uh, she uses Denicon as well. So uh, it was just a natural fit. And so we kind of ran with that. So getting rid of the paper charts, just modernizing the office in general um, were big ones. So the practice management software was the biggest hurdle because um, these people have been using paper charts for, you know, 30 years. 30 plus years. And so that was very difficult to get everybody um, comfortable and, and efficient at, at using um, modern practice management software. Yeah. I find that that usually is a very disruptive change internally for dental practices, but looking back on it, most people are like, yeah, that was a, that was a necessity. We had to do that at some point. Uh, and, and, for sure. and think it's a good thing at the end of the day. So that's fantastic. So to frame this too, we didn't do this at the beginning, probably to, to start the conversation off. Um, about how long ago was it that you, you bought this practice? Yeah. Uh, we bought it. I started November, fourth my birthday in 2019 so it was a great birthday to uh to begin and we had worked on it for i think about what five or six months before it was it was maybe shorter it was a it was a pretty pretty decent um time frame i mean I, we we've had we've had people that will call me and they'll be like yeah i need someone to help me buy a dental practice and i'll be like well, when are you trying to close by They're like well um today is the 12th by the 16th uh <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, expectations are not going to be met if, if you're trying to get. Yeah. Help yeah. Um, no, but you, uh, you are, uh, it was longer because I had to wait six months at my previous yep, job. So yep. it was longer than six months. Yeah, We had a lot of time yeah. to think about it. Um, so in, in terms of just framing it for the listeners too, you know, all these changes that have happened again, this was a two, this was a two doctor dental practice you bought. And now you are the sole owner of a two doctor dental practice. Um, you know, being, you know, giving some, some vagueness to it, you know, just, just tell people the success that we've, you've had in this dental practice, you know, 
I would say it's you, you're you're seeing right now from whenever you took over, you know, using a wide range here, somewhere between like a thirty percent and seventy percent growth from over the over that two year period. Because we're not even to two years yet, but about a two year period, right? Yeah, we're definitely tracking to be in that range of increasing in revenue um, with keeping the staff adding just one staff since I I came on. Um, so we've, we've been able to really, um, get going and that's honestly the, these older guys are great dentists. They just haven't had to work as hard as, as a younger guy does, you know? (laughs) So we're a little bit hungrier. We want to move a little bit more and work a little bit harder. Um, but we've just made some changes like that and just how we schedule, which has helped with the Denicon, um, being our software and bringing in a little and bringing in our office manager that's just a rock star um that has helped fuel that growth for sure um so we're we're on track to to be quite a bit bigger than when we started so we've been really happy with it well and i'll just say this just uh, you know and we mentioned this before the podcast started you know i wanted to use wide numbers because we don't want everyone knowing all all of what's going on with you but <laughs> Um, there are some influencers that are out there that will say they'll have, oh, these giant numbers of growth and giant, you know, like a hundred percent growth year over year and all these other things. And like, you know, we have this unique perspective where, you know, we're accounts and CPAs. We know a lot of, you know, we, we just, we can see behind the curtains for some people sometimes. Um, and, um, you know, those numbers aren't always, you know, what they seem, you know, you always hear, I, I hear this from a lot of people actually, um, that are, um, you know, people that are in the industry, they're on the consulting side, um, and things like that. And, and I hear people that are listeners that are talking about influencers that are saying like, Oh, you know, they said they did this, but it was really only this. And I'm telling when I'm, to the listeners out there, this is a, this was not a, 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 a small practice that was just all of a sudden, uh, that grew this amount. It's, this was a significant amount of growth. Um, and so, you know, for you, Dr. West, if you were to you know start this all over again, what would it be that you would look for in a practice? Assuming you didn't buy this one, what would it be that knowing what you know now, what would it that you be that you'd be searching for in a practice to buy? It's kind of an odd question because you 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 already you own this one, so but just pretend right. like you don't own it anymore and you're not allowed to buy this practice again. What given that you've had such success with the practice you've 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 gotten? what would you look for in a new practice? Yeah. Um, man. So every practice for every dentist is going to look different. You know, I know a guy that in down Louisiana that bought a smaller practice, but he, it was almost fee for service. And so he's kept it really small and has been very successful in that way. So that Mm -hmm. might look different. Um, but for me, when I, if I had to do it again and not this one, um, looking for bigger of a practice, the better, because the margins are better. Your, your room for error is better. You know what I mean? So if you buy a practice that's only grossing 400 K, well, the margins a little bit thinner for error of you being successful and not successful. If you buy a 800,000 or a million dollar practice, you know? Um, and honestly, one of my thoughts was, well, This is a two doctor practice, you know, in ways one guy ran it pretty, pretty, uh, tight. So it's kind of a 1.5 doctor practice you could say. And, and I was like, at the end of the day, if I, if 20% of the patients leave, cause that's what, you know, some 
um, uh, articles will say, maybe it'll just shrink and I'll have a great one doctor practice. You know, I had some room, room to room to run there. Um, but for me, bigger, the better, the bigger you can muster and, and get that loan for a bigger practice. It's just going to be better. Um, then not going for a practice with all the newest stuff because they're going to make you pay for it. Um, I, in this practice being older, I've got to pick and choose my own time of what I wanted. You know, so if somebody is the Sarek guru that does all this great latent great stuff, I mean, can you match that when you're one to five years out? Probably not, you know? Um, so bigger practice, older equipment that's functional, uh, the better, because then you can pick and choose what you want. Um, and then probably the last one is see how long their staff has been there. Um, you know, if you have a smaller practice and all the staff is constantly turned over, you're probably not buying a very healthy practice in a lot of ways. You know, um, this practice was fortunate to people have been here for the oldest hygienist has been here since like 87, I think. And she's still here working for me. Um, you know, I've added one or two people, um, but most of these people have been here over a decade or more. Um, and that just goes to show that the people are happy here. Um, patients have been here for a long time, you know, so just things like that you look for. Cause at the end of the day, if a piece of equipment's terrible, you can replace it. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be the newest thing. It can be used. Um, but the more patients, the better. And, you know, you got to understand your, your people and what you're doing. You're not going to know everything about them, but you can gather enough information to know if this seems like a happy place or an unhappy place. Yeah. So in terms of finding that practice, if, uh, and this is a bit of a chicken and egg question, so it's kind of, sometimes it can be a bit complicated to answer, but what would you rather have? Would you have, when you, cause you mentioned a bigger, the bigger, the better, what would you rather have be bigger revenue or patient count? So when I'm saying that, like, would you, let's say that you've got a practice you're hmm. buying that's a million dollars to buy the practice and it's got, you know, 2,500 patients. And then you've got another practice that's for sale that's a million dollars and it's got, say, 1,100 patients. Of those two, which one would you rather have? Be, would you be probably be knowing nothing else, be more interested in? If both had a million in revenue, but one had 2,500 and one had 1,100 active patients. First, I wouldn't believe them because (laughs) I would double, double check their hygiene numbers. You taught me that. Um, but, uh, man, what a good question. Cause you can make arguments for either one, you know? Um, because those those are two practices we see come in all the time. Something my gut would say, the one with 2,500, because the one that has 1,100, he's probably squeezed every penny he can out of those patients. And when you buy it, there's not going to be anything left. Yeah. That, so when, when I'm talking to people about like the, the, the practices that I see have the most amount of success, it is that it's, it's more patient count than it is revenue, really. 
Um, right. And so like whenever someone's looking for a large practice, I always say, you know, if they've got a lot of patients, there's a lot of opportunity usually just inside of that because of the fact that, you know, and, and there, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with someone who's, who's asking a million dollars for a practice that has 2,500 patients, but you know, there's a lot of, you know, with 2,500 patients, a lot of people can do a lot more in revenue than that. Um, right. especially a lot of the younger doctors. Um, now really, you know, when I, when I say that we see this come in a lot of the time, I, I would, I, that's, um, that practice actually doesn't come in. Those two practices don't come in that often. Really what comes in more often is more like $700,000 for each mm -hmm. practice. And one of those has like 2000 patients and one of them has like 800. But that's a bit mm -hmm. more common of what usually comes into the office. Um, and those $700,000 ones are that have the two, you know, 2000 patients or whatever it is. Those are the ones that, you know, not every time, but historically seem to be, they see the growth that you've had and in, in, in similar amounts. Um, because it's just, you add in, you add new services, you are, you do a newer style of treatment planning than, than what a lot of the, the older docs seem to do. Uh, yeah. and it just seems to grow so much faster. Um, so yeah, yeah, you bring up a very good point that you have to say to anybody wanting to buy a practice. One of the things that I did miss was look for a practice that you can add skills, mm -hmm. add services. I mean, that's, that's the, the quickest and arguably least expensive way to grow your practice immediately, right? Like if you have a, a crown and bridge guy, he may have done all the crowns, but he's not doing any of the endo or any of the harder oral surgery or, you know, implants, Invisalign, you know, those are, if you can get your training in those things as early as possible, you're going to be so much better off um, in the long run. Yeah. You know, you, you're going to get tired of doing quadrants of composite fillings for an hour when you could place an implant for less than an hour and make a significantly more amount of money. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So let's, another question for this is if let's, let's assume you go out and you bought, you did find another practice that's got, you know, let's say it's that million dollar practice, 2,500 patients and um, you know, you're, it's, it looks fairly similar to, um, you know, the day that you start, you know, a lot of things go the same way that we just talked about, um, in terms of what you went through, you know, buying the practice, meeting the staff, getting the patients turned over, adding services, things like that. Day one of being the new owner of this new hypothetical pretend practice, what would you do that you've already done today, but do faster? Does that make sense? Like, what would you do? What would you, what, ha, what learning curves have you overcame by just being in, by, by being an owner for a couple of years that you would have implemented faster if you would have known how to do it? Are we saying clinically or just, just uh, managing the practice anything, or what do you mean? Anything, whatever, what, whatever you think would have the most impact on, you know, getting that practice up and running and, you know, either be for your quality of life or it be for revenue or it be for income, whatever, you know, patient care, whatever. Yeah. Um, when I first started day one, I try to meet everybody and I would not have done that again. That's the first little thing. Literally day one, I was trying to meet everybody, every patient in the office and that was just unsustainable. So I, we quickly went away from that. Um, you know, I, I struggle with when to make 
changes in the office, like the practice management software sure. or buying stuff or, you know, how we did things and treatment planned. And, um, and you can make arguments either way. And if you read enough on this dental space about that, you'll figure that out. But for me, I would have done, an, <laughs> I would have changed more earlier and just, because the first year of owning a practice is pretty terrible in a lot of ways. You know, you're up here all the time. You're stressed out about everything. Um, and I'm more of a just get it over with kind of guy. So I probably would have just changed more in general and hopefully coasted earlier um, after that. Um, does that answer your question? It does. Um, so okay. now, now I'm going to throw a wrinkle on it, though. Um, okay. If... So even though you didn't know what you didn't know and assuming other people that buy a practice for the first time aren't going to know, have experienced these things, do you think that would have been good advice for you to, to tell yourself whenever you started? Do you know what I mean? Like, like would, you, yeah. would you have screwed it up if you, if you, if you hadn't experienced the change in a slower process? Like, would you tell the guy next door that's going to be buying a practice? Um, Hey, start changing this stuff early on. Cause the, 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 the common thread, if you, if you, if you go ask anybody, they're all like, give it six months, give it six months, don't change anything. Right. And then, yeah. and then after six months, then start changing things. Like what, I mean, is that, do you think that was, I, I think that's probably the safest advice for most people. Um, yeah, especially if they're the a first time practice owner, but I would think that if you're a second time practice owner, that probably should be fine to go ahead and start changing stuff. Right. I would think so. Um, you know, I think part of that six month buffer is just get your bearings, right. You know, you got a lot going on, but now that you're, I'm on the other side of it, I don't remember that anymore. You know, sure. it's kind of like you're having your kid, you mm -hmm. know, kind of don't remember all the sleepless nights as vividly as, yeah. <laughs> as when they first happened. Uh, I guess I would still tell them to do it uh, quickly just because, you know, in a way, what are you waiting on? Mm -hmm. I mean, if your staff's on board, you know, if you're already having staff struggles or you're dealing with some bigger issues, you know, of course use some judgment and wait, but if things are going well and this isn't going to like, you know, turn the practice upside down, you know, like if you're going to just fire half your staff or something, I mean, if you're just making changes, just do it. You know, you're not going to really regret it because you're going to deal with it now or you're going to deal with it later. Um, and at the end of the day, you want to run your practice the way that you want to run it. You don't want to feel like you're cooking in somebody else's kitchen the whole time, you know, and, and that was the thing for me is get this thing how I want it. So I feel like it's mine and not like I'm borrowing it from the last guy. Yeah. I love that answer. So, um, and I think that's just, that that's really good advice for everybody that's listening. Um, is there any other advice that you can think of that if you, you wish you would have known before, um, this whole process started? Oh man, we, we, we should have a much longer podcast cause we can keep going <laughs> on this stuff, man. Know, right? Um, advice if you think that you're ready to buy a practice and you find what you think is a good one and tooth and coin will help you do that. That's not an <laughs> official plug, uh, but it is a plug. Um, do it. There are, you're going to be stressed fine, but it is in my opinion, totally worth it to own the practice. Um, 
if that's your desire. Just do it, make it your own. Um, you'll be happier if you do. Um, and seek out as much help as you possibly can. You know, like at the end of the day, I can ask you guys as many questions as I can. I did it a lot at the beginning and you guys helped, you know, I asked a lot of friends uh, that were dentists that own practices, what they do. You know, I went on the message boards and filtered out all the crazy stuff, but, you know, try to find answers there because, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know that much about business, especially as dentists, because we take what one hour or so of business classes in dental school. Oh, yeah. So just don't be afraid to ask questions. And, you know, like anybody listening, I will be happy to talk to them and run them through more specifics of what we're doing or what, what we had and, and answer questions, you know, cause there's a lot of decisions that are all small that have to be made, you know, like, when do I buy this big thing? When do I buy these small things? Um, what kind of vendors deals are there? How do I compete with, you know, the, the buying power of corporate dentistry? You know, there's a lot of BS that you have to kind of filter through, um, but more questions, the better, man. Cause we, I, most of the time people want you to be successful. Um, so just ask as many questions as you can. I love it. So you mentioned a few earlier, but what are some resources for people that are trying to figure this out? You mentioned my, my old podcast, start your dental practice. You mentioned uh, yeah. shared practices, which were really big fans of those guys. Um, what are, what are some other resources you found helpful by like any books or any, you know, specific forums or anything like that? Well, I think the shared podcasts would be like the second biggest one. Um, cause they were just so comprehensive, you know, I mean, that podcast has been going on for forever. So reading all of that, or excuse me, listening to all of that, um, they hit on so many different topics that you feel like you have a, a decent idea of, of what's going on, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and they're not trying to sell you anything. So in the podcast, at least. So, I mean, it's, it's really beneficial. I'd say if you want to own a practice, that's one of the ones that you should be, you should be doing. Um, as far as books go, I wish I had a better, better memory, <laughs> but I don't have any books on hand. It's been two years and I'm, I try to read a lot of books, but I tend to read half of it and then I put see. it on the nightstand and then forget about it. Me too. Um, Once I started having kids, then, I stopped being able to actually read books. I don't know. Why. Oh yeah. It's, it's been I mean, two pages in and you're asleep. Know, right? uh, and then internet stuff, you know, dental town's a crazy world if you get into it, but if you read enough, you can start to filter out, you know, a lot of the craziness. Um, and then, you know, dental economics is a really a great magazine and, in internet space. Um, those are probably the big ones. And then you can find anything on YouTube, you know? So, um, do you remember any posters on dental town specifically? Like if you were, that you saw, they had a post, like, I'm going to read this one. Oh man, I need to get back on there and, and see. I haven't been on there in, uh, in a while either. Uh, I should probably be on there more. I probably just, I don't want to say any names cause I'm probably remembering the crazy ones. You know, I don't want to throw them under <laughs> yeah, the bus. That's what I would uh, do too. And I'd probably be like, which is the one that you liked? And I'd name one off and it'd be like the person who like, well, we just found out they went to uh, the loony bin for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, like I mixed a name up. Yeah. So. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, let's let's not let's not throw anybody under the bus by accident. Sounds good. Okay. Um, so yeah. so sharing practices is a must. Um, they're starting to learn practice, which is the podcast that I had. Um, it's got like 125 hours of content out there. I think that, uh, shared practices is a little bit more focused on the acquisition process and things like that. So, um, there's definitely episodes of, of start your own practice and I'm sure that people could go and find there would be good. Um, this podcast, the when, when I, podcast is going to have, has a lot of business information on it as well. Um, so dental town forums, reach out to Dr. West and the other, your, your fellow dentist. Uh, and yeah, so that, that's, it seems like a pretty good recap of information places to go whenever you're getting there for this process. Right. Yeah. When I get home, I'll, uh, see if I have any of those books and I can put it in the podcast notes too. Okay. Absolutely. I just can't remember that. Yeah, we'll do that. Cool. Well, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today. Uh, and, uh, for anyone out there that's listening, uh, if, uh, you want to, uh, we'll, we'll leave a, a way for you to be contacted in the, uh, show notes of the podcast so that uh, you don't have to put up your information all the way out there. And again, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge and your experience on this. Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you. And uh, we may have a may have you back for another episode to dive a little bit deeper into some of the questions. If anyone has questions that they would have liked to have been talked about on this podcast for Dr. West, feel free to let us know. And maybe on episode number two, we'll be able to do that. So, uh, so again, thanks to the coin listeners. Thank Dr. West. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you. for today guys i hope you enjoyed this episode of the tooth and coin podcast uh, if you are going to be a practice owner or a new practice owner and you're interested in cpa services head on over to toothandcoin.com where you can check out more about our cpa services uh, we help out around 250 offices around the country and would love to be able to have the discussion about how we could help your new practice we do specialize in new practice owners so people that have uh, are, are about to be an owner of a practice they're acquiring, about to be an owner of a practice they are starting up, or has become an owner in the past five years. That is our specialty. Uh, we'd love to be able to talk to you about how we could help you in your services with your tax and accounting services. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's episode, again, go to the Facebook group, talk to us about what we've talked about, um, join in on the discussion, and let's create an environment where we can talk about some of these things so that we can all help each other get through these things together so that this adventure of business ownership is more fun, more productive, and better in the long term. Lastly, if you want access to those resources that we're going to, that we are currently building, just text the word tooth and coin to 33444. It's tooth and coin, no spaces, T-O-O-T-H-A-N-D-C-O-I-N to 33444. Apply with your email address. We'll send you the instructions in the Facebook group. We'll send you the resources when they're available and we will see you next week.